Lord again this morning. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand and give God glory this morning. Father, we thank you. God, for your goodness and mercy again, O oh Lord. We love you. We truly appreciate everything that you do for us, God. There's never enough words of thanks, oh God. There's never enough praise for you, oh God. We truly thank you, God, for everything that you do for us. Uh, Lord, you are my God and my Lord and my Savior. And I thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity again to give you the thanks and praise that is due your name, God. Uh, Lord, if I had a thousand tongues, I could not praise you enough. I could not glorify you enough. I could not magnify you enough, God. For thine is the greatest God. Thine is the power, God. Thine is the might, O God. Thine is the victory. Thine the majesty, God. All that are in heaven and earth is thine, O God. And you are exalted head above all, Lord God. And I thank you again this morning, Jesus. Uh, Oh, I truly appreciate you, Jesus. It is you, Jesus. Uh, It's all about you, Jesus. Uh, There is none like you, God. And I thank you, the center of it all, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Uh, Praise your wonderful name, God. Uh, Thank you again this morning, Lord God. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Uh, Oh, worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord. Uh, Worthy is the Lord to be praised, oh God. Uh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh, I need you every hour, God. I need you every moment of my life, oh God. Uh, I need you, Lord God. I can't even walk without you holding my hand, oh God. The mountain is too high, Father, and the valley is too wide. Uh, Oh God, down on my knees is where I learn to stand. uh, And I can't even walk without you holding my hand, Jesus. Uh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Be exalted, O God. Be exalted, O God. Be exalted, O God. Be exalted, O God. Be exalted, Jesus. Come, sweet Jesus. Someone needs you this morning, O God. Someone has been praying about a situation and they need you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord God. Touch them again this morning, O God. Help them through, O God, this day. Meet their needs. Meet their requests. Meet their petitions, their supplications this morning, O God. Help them, Lord. Some has a broken heart this morning, O God. I know you can mend a broken hearts and bind up the wounds, oh God. Uh, oh God, some is lonely this morning, and, and I know you can be a friend. I know you can be a comforter, oh God. Uh, I know you can help them through this situation, oh God. Uh, someone has a backslidden child, oh God, that needs to be drawn back to the kingdom. Uh, I know you can move in their hearts this morning. Uh, I know you can pull them out of darkness back into the marvelous light, Father. I know there's nothing in possible with you. I know you can do it all exceeding abundantly above all I could ever ask or think. I know you can do it, Jesus. There's nothing too hard for you. There are those that are struggling with headaches, oh God. I know you can remove it, oh God. There are those with pain in their body this morning. I know you can remove that pain, oh God. There are those that are seeking you for an answer, 
I know you can answer, O oh God. Your ears are not deaf that you cannot hear. Neither is your hand short that you cannot reach, O oh God. I know you can do it, God. I've seen you work. I've seen you work. I've seen you move. I know you can, O oh God. Your word tells me you'll work if we let you. I want you to work, God. Work. Work on the behalf of your children. Answer their prayer. Hear their cry, O oh God. Attend to their prayer. From the ends of the earth will we cry unto thee. And when our hearts are overwhelmed, lead us to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for us, a strong tower in the place of our enemies, O God. I know you can, Jesus. Be exalted, O God. Be exalted in the heavens. Let your glory be over all this earth, O God. I worship you. I worship you. I praise you, Lord. For without you, I am nothing. Without you, I will surely fall, O God. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise you from whom all blessing flows. I will clap my hands. I will say glory to the Lord of glows. Oh, glory to God in the highest. Oh, yes. He's worthy. Cry unto God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be exalted, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Who is this who for our sorrow offered comfort and relief? Bring in sunshine to the dark and shadow life. Saying softly, cease repining, lift thy soul above its grief. Let the peace pass understanding, still the strife. Oh, it is Jesus. Jesus. Oh, sad ones, weep no more. Hear the brokenhearted open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who come with healing for the heart, the blind, the lame? Saying softly to the sinner, follow me. Only come and faith believing as of old the people came. And the lame shall walk, the blind of sin shall see. Oh, it is Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, sad ones weep no more. Where he will hear the broken hearted open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Who is this who loves a sinner as a father loves his own? Grieving over those who spun his griddle plea. Always ready to forgive them and to make forgiveness known. Who is this forever calling you and me? Oh, it is Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, sad ones weep no more. He will the broken hearted open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver. 
above more. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, sad ones weep no more. It will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Is this who for our sorrow offer comfort and relief? Bring in sunshine to the dark and shadow light. Saying softly, cease repining. Lift thy soul above his grief. Let the peace pass understanding. Still the strife. Oh, it is Jesus, Jesus, where sad ones weep no more. Well, he will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison door. He is able to deliver evermore. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It is Jesus. Sad ones weep no more. He will heal the brokenhearted, open wide the prison doors. He is able to deliver evermore. This God is our God forever. It is Jesus. Sad ones weep no more. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, yes, God, it is you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. John the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus and says, Go ask him, are you the one to come or do we look for another? And Jesus says to John's disciples, he says, You go back and you tell John that the deaf hear, the blind eyes are open, the lame walk, the dead is lifted up, and blessed are they that are not ashamed of me. It is Jesus. Sad ones, weep no more. He's healed the broken hearts. He's opened wide the prison door. He's able. There's nothing impossible with God. Hallelujah. He's the almighty God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your glory. He's worthy of your honor. Well, the mighty God is Jesus. The Prince of Peace is He. The Everlasting Father. The King Eternally. The Wonderful in Wisdom. By whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. I tell you, it's all in Him. 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 The money God is Jesus and it's all in Him. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jehovah, Lord of hosts, the omnipresent spirit who fills the universe, the advocate, the high priest, the lamp for sinners slain, the author of redemption.
redemption. Oh, glory to His name. I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and it's all in Him. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The living word incarnate, the helpless sinner friend. Our wisdom and perfection, our righteousness and power. Yea, all you need is Jesus. You find this very hour. I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus and is all in Him. Our God for whom we waited will be a glad refrain. All this was recreated when Jesus comes again. Lo, He will come and save us, our King and Priest to be. For in Him dwell all fullness, and Lord of all is He. I tell you, it's all. Oh, yes, it is all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. I tell you, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The Godhead is all in Him. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in Him. And oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. There is sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. As I journey through the land, singing as I go. Pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierced my soul from without within. But my Lord leads me on through him I must win. Singing, oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Let us sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, I'm at last ever to rejoice. Oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Let us sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. 
cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to Him, and He'll give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside, but my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever betide, singing, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Let us sing forever of this saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last. Ever to rejoice when before me billows rise from the mighty deep. Then my Lord, my wrecks, my bark, he does safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real Friend to me, oh, I love him so, singing, oh, I want to see him, I want to look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace, on the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all pass, I'm at last, Ever to rejoice. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to see you, Jesus. Oh, I want to look upon your face. There to sing forever of your saving grace, O oh God. Be exalted, O oh God, in the heavens. Let your glory be over this house. Oh, hallelujah. He's worthy. He is so worthy. The mighty God is Jesus. Uh, hallelujah. The Prince of all peace is He. The everlasting Father. The King eternally. The wonderful in wisdom. By whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead. In Jesus it is the displayed. It is Jesus. Sad ones weep no more. He will open the presence. He'll set you free. He'll bring you out of darkness to the marvelous light. Praise God. He's worthy. He's worthy. Yes, Lord. Oh, be exalted, oh God. Be exalted in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts. We look to you, the author and the finish of our faith. We look to you, Jesus. Because without you, we can do nothing, O oh God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Oh, mountains too high. And the valley's too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learned to stand. And I can't even walk 
without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see the mountains too high and the valleys too wide. Down on my knees, that's where I learn to stand. And I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. You see the mountains too high and the valleys too wide down on my knees that's where I learn to stand and I can't even walk without you holding my hand. God, I need you to take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I am weak. I am tired. I am worn. Through the night, lead me on through the light, oh God. Precious Lord, Take my hand and lead me home. Oh, God, I need you. I need your spirit. I need your power. I need your anointing. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, who stay with us, oh, God, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hands in praise that without doubt a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we leave this place, God. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, wonderful peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I praise you. Mm, yes. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father. Above, sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Oh, peace, peace, wonderful peace, 
coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love, oh peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above sweep over my spirit forever I pray in fathomless billows of love oh peace Peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a prayer. Just fountain, free to all a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. In the cross, in the cross, be my glory ever, till my rapture shall find rest beyond the river in the cross in the cross be my glory ever till my 
church souls shall find rest beyond the river. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. God, I praise you. Lord, be my glory forever. Oh, God, I can't walk without you holding my hand, God. I need your guidance, oh, God. I need your direction. I got to follow you up to you, Lord. I got to keep my mind stayed upon you, oh, God. You alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. I exalt you, Jesus. Be exalted, oh, God, in the heavens. Let your glory be over this house. Let your glory be in this place this day, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. He's so good to us. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord, to feel his presence. Just to be in his presence is always fullness of joy. In your presence, God. Be exalted. Be exalted, oh God. We praise you, Jesus. Mm, yes. Yes, Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just touch the hem of his garment. Hallelujah. To you alone, be exalted. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about anything that anyone else but you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Be the sinner. Be the center of it all, God. Be the center of it all. From my heart to the heavens, be exalted. You be the center of it all, Father. Oh, I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. In your sweet name. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your presence. Amen. It's so good to be in the house. Amen. I feel this presence in this place. So good to have Brother and Sister Becker with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Known them for quite a while now. Amen. And such a great family. I was just telling the girls and the guys, man, it's amazing how quick they've grown up. <laughs> but amen. It's so good to have them with us today. Quickly in ways of announcements, amen, this Wednesday night, there'll be no Bible studies. Veterans Day, I forgot all about Veterans Day. How could a veteran forget Veterans Day? Huh? <laughs> but uh, so we won't have Bible study this Wednesday night because of Veterans Day. So take out a veteran to dinner. How's that? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. But again, it's so good to have Brother Sister Becker with us. And I've asked Brother Becker to come and minister to us today. And so we're so glad with them. So we wanted you to have your liver, have your wife, your kids to sing, dance, jump, run, whatever you want. Amen. Testify or whatever you desire. So, Brother Becker, please come and take your liberty in the Lord.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it is on. Amen. It is good to be here with all of you. The presence of the Lord is very strong here right now. And I appreciate the fact that uh, this is a congregation that's willing to wait on the presence of God, entertain the presence of God. That's a powerful, uh, not habit, but practice. Uh, and it's a privilege. What a privilege it is to be able to enter into the presence of God. He doesn't give us just permission to enter into his presence. He gives us invitation. He wants us to come into his presence. He wants to spend time with us. And that's something I will never <laughs> understand. But it is something I will always be thankful for. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated for just a moment. Amen. It is a privilege to be with all of you. Uh, I do give honor to your pastor, Pastor and Sister Parker. Thank you so much for inviting us. Uh, we have known them for uh, some time now. Uh, I affectionately call him my smadge. <laughs> if you're in the Army, you know what that is. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, you got <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't knock him out. <laughs> but uh he is uh Pastor and Sister Parker are very well respected in the district. Uh obviously uh he's the section four presbyter, uh been that for a while now, and uh good reason for that. Uh, we do highly respect them. Uh, I knew he was a walking Bible already, uh, but what I what I found pleasantly surprising was that you guys kind of are too. When he was quoting scripture up here, you guys were right along with him. That was pretty cool. I like that. Amen, amen. And when he when he's teaching and preaching about you got to know the word. You guys know the word, and that is so important. We have to know the word of God. Uh, all of reality is based on the word of God. All things were spoken to existence by the word of God. And so if we don't have a solid understanding of Scripture, uh, and the Bible teaches this, we can't really know anything. Uh Truth is revealed to us through Scripture, and we've got to know it. We've got to know it. Amen. Uh, well, let's just get into it. <clears throat> it's probably all right, huh? <laughs> okay. Let's all stand. We're going to read the, if you would, please, if you can, uh, or read the, the uh, Scripture text. And then we'll pray and uh, we'll move forward with the service. Amen. Luke chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 14, we'll continue to verse 19. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 19. It starts off by saying this. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. 
And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Esaias. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. And I'll preach for just a few minutes this morning on this topic, the price of peace. The price of peace. And if we could pray one more time, ask God to bless the remainder of this service, to minister to each and every need in this place today. Lord Jesus, you are an awesome God. We give glory and honor unto the Most High today, and we acknowledge our complete and total dependence on you. We must, we need to hear your voice. We need to feel your touch. Lord Jesus, I have nothing in myself to give to anybody. I can't help myself. But Lord Jesus, you are the answer to whatever situations we're facing today. Hallelujah, Jesus, that you administer to your people. They are an exceeding good and precious people, filled with the spirit of the living God. Undergird them with strength today. Encourage them in the Lord their God. And I pray above all else that your name here this morning would be glorified in our midst. And these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Can we give glory and honor unto God? Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And there is no one else like you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are our God. You are our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence here today and for all that you have in store for us. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. He is an awesome God, and he's worthy of our full attention this morning. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Most of us have probably at least a passing understanding of the events that transpired during World War II. Uh, it's perhaps one of the most well-documented, uh, most well-researched periods of history that, that are in existence. Uh, if you just do a cursory glance at the library or a uh, Internet search, you get a lot of hits. Conversely, you know, I've been fascinated with World War I, and I can't find a whole lot on World War I. There's just not a lot on there uh, about World War I. But World War II, uh, that's been researched and, and spoken about to death. <clears throat> uh, whatever you want to know about it is there. Well, one, one fascinating period, I, I wouldn't say I'm a professional history student, but I am an amateur. I, am, uh, I do like history. I believe it has a lot to teach us. One, one fascinating period about this, this era is the events leading up to World War II. And one of the things I find fascinating about that period is there's this policy that was in effect uh, in the nations of Europe, they called appeasement, the policy of appeasement. And uh, I've downloaded an article from, from history.com. Uh, it's not mine. You'll realize that right away. I will quote it, and then we can, uh, can kind of talk about it. Appeasement, the policy of making concessions to the dictatorial powers in order to avoid conflict, 
governed Anglo-French foreign policy during the 1930s. It became indelibly associated with conservative Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain, the uh, Prime Minister of England. Although the root of appeasement by lay primarily in its weakness of post-World War I collective security arrangements, the policy was motivated by several other factors. Firstly, the legacy of the Great War in France and Britain generated a strong public and political desire to achieve, quote, peace at any price, unquote. Secondly, neither country was militarily ready for war. Widespread pacifism and war weariness, not to mention the economic legacy of the Great Depression, were not conducive to rearmament. Thirdly, many British politicians believed that Germany had genuine grievances resulting from the Treaty of Versailles. Finally, some British politicians admired Hitler and Mussolini, seeing them not as dangerous fascists, but as strong patriotic leaders. In the 1930s, Britain saw its principal threat as communism rather than fascism, viewing authoritarian right-wing regimes as bulwarks against its spread. Now we'll stop here and say that this is not to be a commentary or a treatise on politics this morning. Okay? <clears throat> I'm making a point here. We'll bring that out shortly. The League of Nations was intended to resolve international disputes peacefully, yet the League's ineffectiveness soon became apparent. In 1931, when Japan invaded Manchuria, the League condemned the action. However, without either the weight of the U.S. or the power of its own army, it was unable to stop Japan. By 1937, Japan had launched a full-scale invasion of China. In October 1935, the League imposed economic sanctions, but little more when Mussolini invaded Abyssinia. Okay. In March 1936, a cautious Hitler remilitarized the Rhineland, forbidden under the Treaty of Versailles. The feared Anglo-French reaction never came, though. In the League's Council, the USSR was the only country to propose sanctions. British Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin ruled out the possibility. Germany and Italy now realized that the democracies were seeking to avoid confrontation, so both countries continued to test the limits. During the Spanish Civil War, Hitler and Mussolini contravened the non-intervention agreement, sending troops, equipment, and planes to, to back the rebels. Their intervention was ignored by the international community. When Chamberlain became prime minister in May 1937, the pattern of appeasement had already been set. In March 1938, Hitler's union with Austria was once again met with Anglo-French impotence and inaction. Czechoslovakia had been created under the Treaty of Versailles and included a large German minority mostly living in the Sudetenland, on the border with Germany. In mid-September 1938, Hitler encouraged the leader of the Sudeten Nazis to rebel, demanding union with Germany. When the Czech government declared martial law, Hitler threatened war. On 15 September, Chamberlain met with Hitler. Without consulting the Czech authorities, he pledged to give Germany all the areas with a German population of more than 50%. France was persuaded to agree. Hitler then altered his criteria, demanding all the Sudetenland. At the Munich conference on 30 September, Britain and France agreed to his demands. Chamberlain was confident that he had secured, quote, peace for our time, unquote. Appeasement was not without its critics. Churchill believed in a firm stand against Germany, and Foreign Secretary Anthony Eden resigned in February 1938 over Britain's continued acquiescence to fascist demands. The left wing also attacked Chamberlain's blindness. In March 1939, when Germany seized the remainder of Czechoslovakia, 
it was clear that appeasement had failed. Chamberlain now promised British support to Poland in the case of German aggression. A misguided belief in peace in our time was replaced by a reluctant acceptance of the inevitability of war. I appreciate a lot about what Pastor uh, Parker preached this morning. Uh, makes me feel good about continuing with my message. <clears throat> we do have an enemy this morning. That enemy is not slack. He is very focused. He's very determined. He doesn't take breaks. He doesn't take vacations. He doesn't get bored. This is what he does. It's all he does. And he will pick and he will poke and he will prod each of us until he finds a way in. And like Pastor Parker said, he's not going to wait until we get out of a hot Sunday evening service. He's not going to wait until we're, we've been spending time with God in prayer. He's going to wait until we're weak. We're tired. We haven't read our Bibles. We haven't prayed. Situations are coming against us and we're starting to question some things God has said to us. That's when he's going to come. He's not dumb. He's ignorant in a lot of ways, but he's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. And so, we need to understand what kind of enemy it is we're facing. Europe in 1938-ish didn't understand what kind of enemy they faced. That they were so determined, that they were so focused on what they wanted. They thought that if we just give them a little bit, everything will be fine. But all they wanted was just a little bit more. And then they wanted a little bit more and a little bit more. And we see today in our world that our enemy, that's all it wants, is just a little bit more. Just accept homosexuality. And that'll be enough. That'll be enough. Just accept Early-term abortions, that'll be enough. And then it's midterm, and then that'll be enough, and then late-term. And homosexuality isn't enough anymore. Now it's LGBTQ, whatever. And then that'll be enough. They keep taking ground a little bit, and then a little bit, and then a little bit, and no one's rising up to stop them. There is no one to check the advance but us. Our government is not going to do it. I hope you understand that. If you're Republican, uh, Libertarian, Democrat, whatever you are, our hope is not in the United States government. Our hope is the one who sets up kings and pulls them down again. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is our hope. That's where we place our confidence. Because this enemy is re they're re relentless. That's the word I'm looking for. They are relentless. They will not stop. Our enemy does not stop. If we give him what he wants, he will take more. At some point, we're going to have to say, that is far enough. You will go no farther. 
Not here. And that is our responsibility as the people of God. That is our responsibility as the church of God. To make sure that God has a voice in this world. We are his hands and his feet. God's not going to manifest himself and take charge. He has manifested himself through you and through me. We need to step up and take charge. There will be peace, but it will come with a price. North American Christians find ourselves distracted, wearied, wearied by life. It's very easy to get our eyes off of what's important. We need to stay focused. In these times especially, these are the end times. I can't give you a date. I'm not going to give you a date. Good grief. Don't, don't accept anybody's dates. <laughs> but he's coming soon. That I can tell you. And we have got to be ready. And we have got, to, there are people out in the world right now that God wants in here. We have got to reach this city. We've got to reach this state, this country, this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. Yes, we've got bills. Yes, we've got to, we've got to take care of the responsibilities we have. Absolutely. Absolutely we do. But our primary focus cannot be that. We take care of those things, such as they are, but our focus has to be the work of God. That's our focus. That's who we are. That's who we identify with. Is it the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't identify it. I'm a drywaller. I definitely don't identify with drywall. I stay as far away as that as I can. I do that because that's what pays the bills. But, mm, no, sir, no, ma'am. I identify with Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I'm a child of God. And our aggressive, focused, and determined enemy is fighting against us. Against a distracted, wearied, and if I may say largely disinterested church, desiring only peace at any cost. But not us. Not us. There is peace. But not at that price. It does come with a price. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Joshua 5, 13 and 14. We read the account of uh, Joshua and the nation of Israel has crossed the river, the river Jordan and have entered into the promised land. And they're coming up on Jericho. Verse 13 starts by saying, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? That's a good question. 
And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? We see something very interesting here. Joshua approached this stranger not with the intent of making peace, but with the intent of determining what side are you on. If you're for us, well. If you're against us, we're going to kill you. We're going to take you out. They've already made that decision. Their minds were already made up on that. There are two sides in this fight. The Lord's and everyone else. Everyone else is wiped out. Now, since I'm going to be talking about the Old Testament God for a little bit, I do want to say that there are no discrepancies between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God. Okay? They are the same. And they act the same. And they believe, if I can say it that way, I should say they teach us the same. They are the same. There are no discrepancies. Jesus Christ is not some syrupy, sloppy, gooey milksop who just loves everybody no matter what. Conversely, the Old Testament God is not some domineering ogre who's looking for us to screw up so he can strike us with lightning. That's not true either. Okay, good. I'm at home here. (laughs) God had told Joshua and the nation of Israel that they were to cross over the river Jordan into the land of Canaan and conquer. That's what they were there for. In fact, they were to completely eradicate the enemy. They were to not listen to their pleas or their cries. They were to show no mercy. They were to make no treaties or covenants with them. They were not to marry their daughters and give their sons to marry their daughters. They were not to to make any league, have any connection with them. They were to be wiped out. That's what they were to do to the enemies of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, we kind of get a little bit better picture. The Lord is commanding them that when they enter the land of Canaan, this is how you will conduct yourselves. Starting with verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, and the Gergesites, and the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For you were the fewest of all people. But, 
because the Lord loved you, and because you would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand, and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. That is how they were to conduct themselves in the land of Canaan. There will be no salvation for the Canaanites. Now today we understand the corollary. The Old Testament teaches us spiritual concepts in a physical world, in a physical sense. It's, it's a, a type and a shadow. So what the Lord is trying to tell us today is that the enemy of God, Satan, this world system, your flesh and mine, are our enemies. And they are to be dealt with as enemies of God. Our flesh will not be redeemed, church. When we die, I told my kids already, you, you're going to plant me. I'm not planting you. You're planting me. Amen. That's a natural order of things. When I get to be 150 years old and God takes me, they plant me. <laughs> Should the Lord tarry. Otherwise, don't worry about it. <laughs> the Lord will lift me up. Praise God. But uh, this flesh gets no mercy from me. When I die, I mean, I am to be a good steward of this flesh. Okay? And I, I do my best to do that. But I tell you what, at the end of the day, good riddance. This has given me nothing but problems. I... When it's gone, ah, good. Good. I've even been a little bit facetious uh, and told my wife that if you want to do a fundraiser with my dead carcass, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, some people like that and others think it's crass, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> my point being, I'm done with it. I don't need, I don't care what happens to it now. But this flesh, the enemy, they get no mercy. There's no quarter asked or given. Because he's not going to show you any mercy. I promise you that. I don't care what he promises you. If he does promise you something, it comes with a huge price. And you're not going to want to pay it. The enemy is tricky. He's not direct. He's very sly. And he will mix just a little bit of error in with a whole lot of truth. But it's enough. If you've looked at a box of rat poison, you'll see that it's 99.9999% good food. It's that 0.00001% that's going to kill you. That's what he does. Just a little bit of error. Enough to make it palatable. And we swallow it, and we're poisoned with it. Our scripture text this morning talks primarily about ministry. The ministry of Jesus Christ, but the ministry he's also given to us. 
We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether you hold a UPC license or not, whether you stand behind a pulpit or not, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are all called to be ministers. We are all called to preach the gospel to this nation, to this world, to make disciples. So this applies to us today, all of us. He makes some points here. What we typically, what we typically call ministry, I would argue, is really the result of successful warfare. Yes, ministry takes place. Souls come into the kingdom. But I promise you, at least in my case, I didn't just find God. I didn't just wake up one day and decide, this, there's got to be more. Now, at first, that's exactly what I thought. I just, there's got to be more to this than, than what I have now. But that's not what happened. Someone was praying. Someone was fasting. And I'm the result. Ministry took place. I got the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in Jesus' name. Thank God for that. But it didn't just happen. It happened because someone prayed. It happened because someone did battle, whether they knew it or not, in my behalf. And if we're going to have revival in a church, in a city, in a state, it's going to be because somebody first engages in spiritual warfare. They are going to pray and they are going to fast. They're going to bind the strong man. There are people that preach and teach, and maybe rightly so, to be cautious, to even be a little bit afraid to engage the enemy. Because if you're not all prayed up and fasted up, and, and if you're not perfect with God, the devil's going to come in and he's going to get you. Well, yeah, when we engage more actively in spiritual warfare, he engages us back. I'll grant them that. But we are not to be afraid because we have already been given the victory. We won't win this fight because of our strength and because of our power and because of our intellect. We're not smart enough and we're not strong enough to beat this enemy. But God most certainly is. And he will give us victory if we do it his way. He wants to give us victory. They need us to have victory. It is God's will for us to be victorious. Now, are we going to struggle? Are we going to fight? Absolutely. But I promise you, you're going to struggle and fight anyway. <coughs> Excuse me. At least this way, I know who I'm fighting, I know why I'm fighting, and I know that victory's right around the corner. When I try to avoid conflict and get peace at any price, he's still going to come after me because he doesn't stop, remember? I gave him what he wanted, now he wants more. At some point, i got to decide enough is enough. <laughs> 
I'm going to stand here and fight. When we do, church, watch out. That's when God is going to come and he's going to fight for us and he is going to defeat this enemy and we are going to experience revival, not just personally or in your family. How many people are in La Crosse County? About 80-some thousand? How many? 51,000? 51,000. County. 140,000 in this county. 140,000. And you're looking, maybe, at this congregation here and saying, that's just too much. How are we going to do anything with that? God didn't choose you because you were more in number. You may be the least of all people. But he chose you because he loved you. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for this congregation. If you don't take anything else from this message, hear me right now. God is getting ready to crack this thing open. I don't care how many times you've heard that in the past. This is the first time I'm telling you. Okay? (laughs) But I'm telling you, just as sure as I'm standing here before you today, I feel in the Holy Ghost that God is going to crack this thing open, and he's going to use you to do it. He's going to use you. So get ready. Get yourself ready. God's got a plan for you. I hope he's been talking with you already about what he wants to do in your life. If not, hear from God. He's got a plan for you. And you're important. You're vital. Someone told me a long time ago, it takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. And that stuck with me. I don't, I don't care what, what you think of yourself. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, this person, I, I can't do anything. I, yeah, probably not. But God through you can do anything. Can do anything. And we've got to wrap our head around that. This isn't us. This is God through us. It's not us. It's not about our gifts or our talents. It's not about our abilities, our intellect. Thank God if you have them. God bless you. But what we need is God working through us. That's what God wants to do. In our scripture text, he talks about preaching the gospel. I think we all understand what that is. We're teaching Bible studies. We're talking to our co-workers, our neighbors, our family members about what God did for us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That whatever it is they're facing, whatever they're going through, they don't have to. Whenever they make the choice, God is going to come running and free them and deliver them and save them. Right there, right then. We are to heal the brokenhearted. God has emotional healing for us. Things have happened in our past. Things have happened to us. We've done things to other people that have ruined relationships. 
God wants to restore those things. He wants to heal us. We don't have to live with those things. Do we deserve to? I deserve to. I'll tell you what, church. The only thing I deserve is eternal damnation. That's what I've earned. That's what I deserve. All on my own. I don't need God for that. I can screw everything up all by myself. Thank you. But anything good is a free gift from God. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it. But he is he wants to give it more than we want to receive it. He loves us that much. He loves them that much. He suffered on a cross and died for the possibility, the chance that we'd say yes to him. Wow, wow, wow. We are to preach deliverance to the captives. We can have complete freedom from any bondage and addiction. We are not supposed to be subject to those things. We are new creatures. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Those things are gone. They're gone. They don't affect us anymore. They can come back if we entertain them. But as of right now, they're gone. And it's God's desire, and I hope our desire, for them to stay gone. Recovering of sight to the blind. He provides for our physical healing, and he provides for our spiritual eyes to be open to truth, to the Word of God. We cannot understand Scripture unless the Holy Ghost teaches us, reveals it to us. We need God. When we're reading our Bibles, I always pray for God to reveal His truth to me. I'm not going to find it on my own. Set at liberty them that are bruised. We can have freedom from our past, from what's been done to us. People coming into the church today, I, I can't even imagine living out there today. I wasn't born in this. I came in as a young adult. So I have some experience of the world. But that was almost a year ago. Give or take. <laughs> I can't <laughs> uh, probably give. Um but I can't imagine being out there today experiencing what they experience. Being a student in our schools today. Oh my word, the stuff that they have to deal with. I can't imagine it. I know adults that wouldn't be able to deal with that. And we're asking our young people to deal with those things. People are coming into our churches today hurt, bruised broken. They got all kinds of baggage. And it's our privilege to help them get rid of that baggage. To allow God to work in their lives something wonderful. Something miraculous. That's our privilege. It's work. Any parents know what it's like to, to raise a newborn. That's what discipleship is. You're raising a newborn. And they're gonna, they're gonna poo all over themselves. 
and they're going to throw up all over you. And they're hungry and they're crying and they want to be fed. Bless God. Discipler, go feed them. Go clean them up. Send them back out there. Amen. Amen. Thank God someone did that to me. Someone cleaned up my dirty diapers. I didn't think I had any back then. But I'm looking back on it. Yeah, maybe maybe I wasn't all of that good of a new convert. <clears throat> so, that's a lot of work. But it's the best work we can do. Because through that work, you're going to raise a spiritual adult, a minister, who's going to go out and raise other babies and adults and ministers. That's the process God has instituted. That's what we have to be busy about. God died for them. That's why he came. He died for them. Our eyes have to be on that. Our eyes have to be on the lost. Our eyes have to be on the saved. Because you and I, we get hurt. Life happens to us too. Ministry within the church is also important. We can be an encourager. We can be a minister. God wants to use us. He wants to use us. In the proclamation of truth, Jesus Christ is uncompromising. We saw in Joshua's life, he was uncompromising. There's two choices here. God's side or the other side? Which side are you on? Jesus says there's only two ways. There's only two choices. The straight gate and the wide gate. There's no other choice. We can't create a third option. People do. They think they do. But there are only two choices. And Jesus will not compromise that. We read in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. This is the account of the rich young ruler. A man who Jesus loved, and he did. He told him something that the rich young ruler didn't like. And what the Bible does not say is that Jesus, whoa, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back. What I meant to say was that, you know, if, if you do your best and, and we, we can work with you, I mean, he's got a lot of money. Are we, can this church use some money? I'll bet we could. I could use, we could use some money. <clears throat> so let, let's just sit down. We'll, we'll work something out. There are people that do that. Jesus never did that. We read that he let him walk away. He was sad. He was very sad about that. But he let him walk away. Because there are only two choices. We cannot compromise this truth for any reason. 
There is no good reason for compromise. We have got to stay strong. We have got to stay fervent. We have got to stay true to Scripture. Ministry is going to happen through us. But it's going to happen through us. God will work through us. But if we compromise Scripture, we're on our own. God will not bless error. He will bless truth. And it I don't think this is true of anyone here, but I will say that it doesn't matter what we as Christians think. It doesn't matter what we believe. It matters what is in the Bible. It matters what is in Scripture. God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. There are all kinds of things that I disagreed with God on coming up through life. All kinds of them. Didn't matter. At first I fought. I lost. I got banged up. Realized fairly quickly, stupid idea. Try it another way. I still disagree, but I'm going to do it anyway. And lo and behold, it ended up being the best thing that could have happened. How about that? Almost as if God knew what he was doing. And I didn't. Two big surprises of my life right there. I got used to it. God knows what he's doing. When When he institutes something, it's for a reason. He gave us two choices. Not three, not twelve, two. For a reason. Choose the right way. Help others to choose the right way. When ministry happens, it will be because we have first prepared ourselves through a season of prayer, fasting. We understand scripture. We have submitted to God. We have submitted to God. And though it's in rule over us, because that's the plan of God. The best times in my life have been when I have submitted completely to my pastor, to those who have the rule over me, when I did not agree with them. Now, I think it's okay to, you know, I'm going off on a rabbit trail. Gonna come back. Okay. Why does God not compromise? Because He knows that when you alter perfection, the Word of God is perfect. It's perfect. You alter perfection in any way, it's no longer perfect. Right? It's no longer perfect. Now there's error. And I promise you, if you start believing that there is one one verse in the whole Bible that's wrong, you may as well throw the whole thing out. 
it's all true or it's not. And that also, there are two choices. It's true or it's not. If it's true, then we better do all of it. We better submit ourselves to every jot and every tittle. Because it, then it's the word of God. And when we're teaching others, we need to explain to them, this is the word of truth. This isn't just some book. It's not another religious book. It is, in verity and in truth, the word of God. And it ought to carry that authority and that weight. When we're reading scripture, it ought to be in reverence and in honor, because this is the word of God. I've taught my children, I don't want to see you throwing your Bible around. Don't drop it, don't throw it. You treat it with respect. They do. I don't have to tell them anymore. It's in their heart now. Praise God for that. <clears throat> in closing, uh, Joshua chapter 1 verses 5 through 9. It seems to me, in reading Joshua chapter 1, that Joshua may have had a problem with fear. There were people that were really trying to encourage him to don't be afraid, to be strong, be of a good courage, don't be dismayed. And uh, that's reiterated several times. It seems like he took it to heart. But in our desire to do the will of God, in our quest, as it were, to submit ourselves to the plan of God for us, the will of God for our lives, and to move forward in that. It can be a daunting thing. God may ask you to do something you're not prepared to do. He may ask you to do something that you... I have no equipment to do that. I, it's, I cannot do that. I, I can't make friends very easily. I can't talk to a stranger. I can't, I can't organize this. Good news. You don't have to. (laughs) You don't have to be able to do all of that. The old saying, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. It's a quaint saying, but there's a lot of truth to it. If he calls you to do something, he will give you the equipment necessary to do it. Because he doesn't call us to fail. He calls us to succeed. And he doesn't create failures. And you are not an accident. There's no leftover material that God just decided, well, let's just make one more so we don't waste it. No, not at all. If you're here, it's for a reason. God created you with purpose, with a plan. And it is his will for you to fulfill that plan. Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9 says this. 
There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. We can plug ourselves in here for Joshua. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. So we can be strong in the Lord today. Understanding that our strength doesn't come from ourselves. Our smarts doesn't come from us. Our strength and our intellect comes from the Lord our God who is omniscient, who is omnipotent. God can do anything he wants to do through you. Let him. Let him. When God asks you to fight, then bless God, fight with everything you got. Because it's not you doing the fighting. It's God fighting through you. Let God do what God wants to do. Amen. Let's all stand. There's an account in the Judges chapter 7 of uh, Gideon. Most of us understand the account. He started with 32,000 men. God said, that's too many. Cut it down to 10,000. That's still too many. Cut it down to 300. Okay. I will save Israel through these 300. God can save this city through you. He can save your family through you, your co-workers through you. Is it God's will? Absolutely. So we don't need to pray, Lord, if it's your will, I'll talk to my family members. We already know it's God's will. Let's talk to them. Let's witness to them. Let's live this before them. Let's pray and fast for them. And let's ask God to open doors of opportunity through which we can go through and see what God's going to do through us. Amen. I didn't ask, uh, do we typically have an altar call? No. Okay. So we can alter in place. Different people are doing that different ways. So, amen. So, uh, in closing, we're going to find a place to pray. And what I want us to pray about as a church is uh, what God wants to do with this congregation and also what God wants to do through you individually. God has a plan. He has an exciting plan, a miraculous plan for you and for this church. He has a plan for this city. He does. And it's God's perfect will to execute that plan sooner rather than later. A lot of times we think we're waiting on God, but God's really waiting on us. So let's tell God, if that's the case, 
I'm ready. Let's go. I want to see what you have. I want to see what God has. Amen. Let's find a place to pray.